Alms. Alms. Alms for the poor. D.T. Niles once said, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. His words remind me of the moment Peter and John arrived at the temple in Jerusalem at the same time someone laid a disabled man at the gate called Beautiful. The man was there to beg for food and money. Give credit to the two apostles for stopping long enough to notice the lame man. Others walked right by and said nothing. Silver and gold I do not have, said Peter, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I call that a beautiful miracle. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. A sign and a sermon on this Wednesday edition of Something Good. Hi, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for being here for today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Well, the book of Acts is in many ways a book of firsts. In Acts chapter two, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the first time, followed by the first sermon of the church age. Today, Ron takes us to Acts chapter three and to the first miracle ever performed by an apostle of Jesus Christ. Stay with us or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From his teaching series, A.D. Acts of the Apostles, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, The Beautiful Miracle. Well, the book of Acts is the action book of the New Testament. It's that place where the Acts of the Apostles are recorded, thus the name, uh, where we learn how the early church and the early followers of Jesus put their faith into practice or their faith into action. Uh, Dr. Luke is, is the human author, and he did a great job researching the history and giving a detailed record of the account of the Acts of the Apostles. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he, he penned this book. And he tells us in chapter 2 and also in chapter 4, as we mentioned last week, uh, he gives us a little glimpse into the early church and to this early faith community. And he says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were people of the Word and people of the book. Uh, to the apostles' teaching and to the prayers and to the fellowship the, and the breaking of bread. And then Luke goes on to tell us that, they, uh, that there were many signs and wonders that were performed by the apostles. Now, we don't have a record of all the miracles that were performed during the apostolic era, but we have a record of at least the first one, and it's in Acts chapter 3. And I call it the beautiful miracle because it took place 2,000 years ago at the Gate Beautiful. Now, scholars are a little perplexed as to which particular gate into the temple area that was, but, but in the text here, it's referred to as the Beautiful Gate. And let me, let me read a portion of the story beginning in chapter 3 and verse 1 so we get a sense of what's happening here. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a lame man from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. 
Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, as the story goes, Peter and John were on their way to the temple at the ninth hour of the day. That's three o'clock in the afternoon by, by our clock and how we measure it. It was customary for the early Jews to, to make their way to the temple three times a day, at the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. And, and reading this about Peter and John, it gives us some indication that um, they were still practicing Judaism. Remember, Acts is a transitional book, and it took some time for the early apostles to understand the full implications of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and even the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And so it shouldn't surprise us that they kind of went back to kind of doing what they had always been doing and what the Jews had been doing for, for centuries leading up to this time. They went to the temple three times a day to pray because that's where, where God was. And it took them some time to understand, again, the full implications of all that had happened and to understand what you and I kind of take for granted today, 2,000 years later, uh, with the full canon of Scripture. And Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it tells us, as believers, your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you can pray anywhere, any time, and God is with you. Jesus came from heaven to earth and was with His disciples. That's one level of intimacy, right? But then He died and was buried. He rose again. He ascended to the Father, and He had to ascend to the Father to send the Holy Spirit, who is not just with us, He is in us a whole deeper level of intimacy, and He is with us, and He'll never leave us, and He'll never forsake us, and our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But it, it just took some time for them to fully understand and grasp all of that. Nothing wrong with them going to the temple three times a day, as was their habit. Uh, the, the ninth hour is also a reminder of what happened on the ninth hour of Jesus' crucifixion. As best as we can tell, he was probably on the cross that fateful Friday by 9 o'clock, the third hour of the day, all the way through the sixth hour of the day to the ninth hour of the day, and it was on the ninth hour at 3 p.m. where he gave up his last breath, and the Bible says he, he spoke his last words from the cross, a cry of victory when he said, it is finished, and he hung his head and, and gave up his spirit. Uh, not a cry of defeat. He, if it were a cry of defeat, he would have said, I am finished. <laughs> but he said, it is finished. The, the Father's plan, the, uh, the, 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 the redemption that I was purchasing, it is finished. And so I suspect that Peter and John had some memory of that as they went to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at the ninth hour. And when they were there, they arrive at the temple at the same time that a group of friends are bringing a poor lame beggar uh, who had been there all his life. He'd been there for a very, very long time. Uh, he, he was a common person, you know, doing what beggars do back in that time. They would, they would come and they would sit outside of the temple and they would beg for alms, they'd beg for money. And uh, we have every reason to believe that this beggar was probably there when Jesus visited the temple. But it begs this question, why didn't Jesus heal him? Why didn't Jesus heal him? 
I mean, if, if Jesus walked into the temple and saw the same guy begging for all, why didn't Jesus heal them? Because Jesus didn't heal everybody he came in contact with. Uh, he, he, he healed people for a specific purpose in a specific way and oftentimes at a specific time. And his goal was always to impact their spiritual life and their eternal destiny, but physical healing was not always his goal. And so this man was at the temple even through the time of Jesus, but it kind of reminds me of the guy that Jesus healed, the blind man, remember, at the um, pool of Bethesda in John's gospel. And, and when the disciples saw this blind man, they said, hey, hey, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, no, you got your theology all wrong. It's not that somebody sinned, and that's why he was born blind. He was born blind so at this time I could heal him and God would get the glory. Uh, regardless of whether you receive your healing or when it happens, all, God's great events always have a timing to them. And, and the timing of this poor, lame beggar's healing was to bring God glory at a time when the early church needed to learn some lessons. And he's going to become a picture for us of how ministry would happen uh, in the times of refreshing, as Peter later refers to it, the times of uh, the apostolic era and through the church age leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a picture of how ministry would take place. And there are some lessons that we learn uh, not only from the miracle, but also later from the message that Peter preaches. You see, Acts chapter 3 contains a miracle on the front end followed by a message. It, it contains a wonder, a sign, uh, followed by a word that Peter delivers. Uh, there's a sign and then a sermon. And there are some lessons to learn from the sign. There are some lessons to learn from the sermon. So let's dive into that. Uh, let's read on... Um, or actually take a look at the first lesson from the sign, and that is that we are, we are poor, lame beggars apart from Jesus Christ. All of us are. We're poor, lame beggars. Now, if we were there that day, uh, there might be some pity or some sympathy that rises up in us looking at this man's condition, and we feel sorry for him at some level because he's, he's physically disabled. Ah, oh, but be careful. You can be physically able and spiritually disabled. You can be physically disabled and spiritually abled, okay? But even worse than being spiritually disabled, uh, the Bible goes one step further and says, apart from Jesus Christ, we're not just spiritually disabled. No, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians chapter 2 says. And, and this man, if we're not careful, we'll see a physically disabled man and think of ourselves as, I, I, I'm doing okay. I'm not physically disabled. I don't have the challenges that he has. And yet, apart from Jesus Christ, you're still a poor, lame beggar who is dead in his trespasses and sins. And it's a kind of a reminder to me, this story is, of the old saying that Christianity is just one poor, lame beggar telling another beggar where he can find food. All right? That's all we are. Apart from Jesus Christ, we're poor, lame beggars. But we found the bread of life one day. And our job is just as poor beggars to tell another beggar where they can find food. A diagnosis is always the first step to healing. That's true physically. It's also true spiritually. And the diagnosis of our spiritual condition 
It's very important as we look at the pages of Scripture and through this man's life, we see what is true of him physically is true of us spiritually. We are all poor, lame beggars apart from Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus said his first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who, who, who come to understand their spiritual bankruptcy and their spiritual disability, even their deadness in their trespasses and sins, and cry out to God for mercy. That's the first lesson we learn. Secondly, we are all outsiders and far from God until we come to the cross of Christ. So picture again this, this poor lame beggar. He comes to the temple that day, as he did every day for many, many years, and his friends sit him outside of the temple. There's no indication that he had ever been in the temple before. He was an outsider, not an insider. And he sat there uh, strategically positioned for all the insiders who would come to the temple and, and the throngs of crowds uh, of people that would pass by and, and he would beg for alms and he would uh, beg for you know, some, some help given his physical condition. Uh, but he was an outsider. And he reminds me a little bit of the little boy in the Christmas movie, you know, the kid who comes on the wrong side of the tracks and he's poor, but he's standing outside of uh, this restaurant and he, and he kind of does this to the window pane to look in a little bit more and he sees all these nicely dressed people having nice conversations and, and eating this delicious food, but he's on the outside. He'll never get in on the inside. He's poor. He's, he's not one of them. And, and that's, that's kind of the, the description of who we are apart from Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians reminded them of who they were and, and their spiritual state before they met Christ. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13, Paul says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, I love this, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Isn't that great? Still ahead, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good Radio message, The Beautiful Miracle. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the Explore option at the top of the homepage and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. While you're there, select the Store tab to find a host of great resources at our online store. Again, that web address is somethinggoodradio.org. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are outsiders, every one of us. But because of Christ, we've been invited inside. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Beautiful Miracle. Uh, Paul is writing to believers in Jesus, and he says, don't, don't forget where you were. You were once outsiders, strangers, aliens, separated from God, far off, having no hope in this world. But now, by the blood of Christ, you've been brought near. 
I mean, that's a reason to sing and dance and shout hallelujah because of what Christ has done for us. You've not been brought near. I've not been brought near because of my good works, no. But by the blood of Christ, by the redeeming and atoning blood of Jesus Christ, are we made right with God. And we go from being in darkness to light, from being outsiders to insiders. And this man at some level is a, is a picture of, of the person who is on the outside and alienated from the promises of God. Third lesson we learn is that our spiritual need is greater than our physical wants. Now, he came to do what every beggar does. He came to the temple to beg for money. He thought his greatest need was physical. He was looking for a handout. But what he learned that day was his greatest need was spiritual, and he got a hand up, not a handout. Uh, Peter comes, and, um, and John come to the temple that day. And I got to give him a little bit of credit because um, they didn't do probably what everybody else did, which was kind of walk right past them as they went into the temple, maybe flipping a coin their direction as they did. Now, if you read the story carefully, they made eye contact with this guy. Now, let's just be honest with ourselves. You know, when you pull up to that intersection and there's a homeless person standing on the corner of the intersection with a, a sign that says, you know, I'll work for food or, you know, some, some story that they're telling there, what do we normally do? And don't lie to me, you're in church this morning, all right? We avoid eye contact, don't we? Because we've learned if you make eye contact, oh, they might come over to the car. I remember my first job out of college took me to New York City, and I, I would walk every day from my apartment through Grand Central Station to Midtown Manhattan. And uh, I had never seen this before, but I'm stepping over homeless people in the middle of New York City. And there were all these business people in suits and ties and you know, power dresses and all this walking just right past all these homeless people, never making eye contact, not treating them like human beings. Peter and John didn't do that. I got to give them credit. They're going to the temple that day to pray, but, but they had enough awareness to say, here is a child of God created in the image of God. They make eye contact with him. And as soon as they make eye contact with him, I suspect that his hopes, you know, uh, rose up and he thought, I'm going to get something today. But look at what Peter said to him. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He didn't get a handout. He, he didn't get, you know, his, his physical need met that day, but he got a spiritual need met, right? He didn't get a coin tossed to him. He got eternal life. And, and, and Peter healed him, and, well, let's read on to see what the reaction was. And he took him by the hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Boy, what an understatement, filled with wonder and amazement. We would say they were blown away because here's this guy, they, they've walked past 
for days, weeks, months, even years on their way to the temple, and now he's dancing, he's leaping. Uh, there must have been something wrong with his ankles or his feet, maybe some deformity that he was, he was uh, uh, born with. But now, I mean, he's not just walking into the temple, he's running into the temple, he's dancing, he's leaping, he's praising God. He's creating not a small commotion because now everybody's head is turning to this man. They all recognize him as the man who was hanging out by the beautiful gate. All of this is a reminder to me that ministry is first personal and one-to-one before it ever becomes large-scale. And even when it becomes large-scale, you know, we have a little saying around here, you know, as the church grows larger, it needs to grow smaller at the same time. And And to never get so big where we look past the individual needs of people. And Peter and John are are a great example of that. But it's also a reminder to us that the primary ministry of the church is spiritual, not physical. Some churches, some ministry have devolved into what we might call the, the social gospel. The social gospel is an attempt to apply Christian ethics to social issues of poverty and crime and you know, poor nutrition and education, maybe even war and so forth, while downplaying the doctrines of salvation, heaven and hell, and the future kingdom of God. Hear me when I say this, and please don't misunderstand me, but a soup kitchen will never save a soul unless you use that soup kitchen to also feed them the bread of life, to introduce them to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've served at a lot of soup kitchens. But I'm not interested in serving at one that doesn't also introduce them to Christ. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, The Beautiful Miracle, is part of Ron's series, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Look for it under the Library tab at somethinggoodradio.org. That's A.D. Acts of the Apostles, a teaching series from Dr. Ron Jones that explores end times prophecy as recorded in the book of Daniel. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. All of us here at Something Good Radio hope you can join us on our upcoming trip to the Holy Land. For more information or to reserve your spot today, visit somethinggoodradio.org. Click on Travel at the top of the homepage. Something Good Radio exists only through prayer and financial support from friends and listeners like you. When you give a gift this month, Ron will say thank you by giving you the audio download of the teaching series you're hearing now, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. That's A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Request your download of all 19 messages in the series today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. 
Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. The early apostles uh, never strayed far from the resurrection of Jesus Christ or to reminding people that they were witnesses of the event. He says, God raised him from the dead To this, we are witnesses. There's proof in the facts of history. Uh, The most credible defense for any witness in the first century in a court of law, and it's true in our courts today, is an eyewitness. If you don't have an eyewitness to what happened, what you have is circumstantial evidence. And the facts of the gospel and the credibility of Christianity is not based on circumstantial evidence. It's based on eyewitness accounts. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Beautiful Miracle. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.